The Judge Joe Brown Show, presented by Valerie Denise Jones. Uncensored truth with a legal twist. Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 929-477-1167. Now, welcome your host, the celebrity consultant, Valerie Denise Jones. Important people, would you mind introducing the other VIP, Dr. Boyce Watkins? Could you do that for me? And I will, um, while you're doing that, I'm going to look to see if Judge is on the board. Me introduce Dr. Boyce Watkins? Yes, please. We're talking about. You had um, so many wonderful uh, things to uh, say about him. The earlier. Mount Rushmore. The, he, he's on Mount Rushmore. Uh, the Mount Ru- he's on the Mount Rushmore of excellence and brilliance, and Black One B One. I love I love this brother. I love here. From the first minute I heard him talk, and I love his spirit. I love how he loves on black people, serves black people, educates black people, whoops their ass when they need an ass whooping, because we do. We, we all were raised by black parents at times that we just need a butt whipping. And he will do that. But I, I say he does it with a wet noodle, right? He does it <laughs> eloquently and elegantly, but when he finishes with you, you know you got a butt whipping. I love that about him. He is courageous, articulate, learned. He has an incredible spirit and awesome taste in black women. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. I would go to the ends of the earth with him, and I would do anything he asked. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, none other than Dr. Boyce Watkins. Amen. Wow. Welcome. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm humbled by that because uh, Dr. Frazier is, he's on, he, I can't be on his Mount Rushmore because he's already on mine. So, um, you know, uh, I, 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 have to, I have to just say, I, I talk about Dr. Frazier all the time. Because uh, there is a a real need uh, for additional masculine leadership in our community. A lot of our we got a lot of lot of lot of thirty five forty year old little boys out here that need to learn what real men look like. And uh, when I think about what a man looks like, I, I think about uh, Dr. Fraser. I think about Judge Joe Brown. I think about mm-hmm. the, the other leaders that we have who um, who can really teach us something. You know, I, I mean, I was sitting here listening to uh, to Dr. Frazier speak, and I, I, was, I was really taking notes in my head of everything from how he communicates, and he takes his time and he gets his points out and, and, um, and, and you're learning, to, to also how he, how he gets things done. Um, Dr. Frazier mm-hmm. represents what actually for this year we had decided 
was our number one theme going into the convention this year, uh, which was relationship building, the ability to connect with one another. And and uh, and I, I'd say that a big part of the reason that we became great friends and and the the respect is entirely so so mutual is because when he says that all black people need is is black people, all we need is ourselves. Uh, I know I can res- that message always resonated with me, and I think of the community gets that now, right? I, you know, you can lay out all kinds of theories and economic models that will show simply that if black people simply learn how to love black people as much as we possibly can, cannot fail. We will not lose. You know, and so, um, so I, I just, you know, first of all, thank you for that that awesome introduction and and uh also I'm I'm honored to get a chance to be on the platform. Uh you know, I, I think I'm I'm all, I'm really on a high from the convention, all the all black national convention this year and yeah. and uh yeah. Frazier, I, I hope I can talk you into coming out, you know, for the next one. Absolutely. It, yeah, and uh and it's um it was one it's one of those experiences where um I, I really feel like you know, all of us working together, I, I, I just can't help but feel like our people are going to be talking about this era for the next 100 years. You know, I, I think we've laid out a blueprint, uh, not just not just us, but so many other people in the community where uh, sure. the world, you can see the world changing. The world's changing right in front of us. And um, and I, I just really hope people are optimistic. I like the way Dr. Frazier mentioned that. This, this shift, the, the shift in mindset and the shift in actions connected to that mindset, how it's going to take time. You know, you got to be patient. You know, I know that we see a lot of things in the community that make us say, man, what's going on? And will we ever get it together? What What's going to happen? Well, you know, well, you, you don't reverse 400 years of brainwashing in a six-month period. You know, it, it takes a while. And it's, it's an intergenerational objective that we're on. And uh, I believe that the the greatest impact and the greatest multiplier from from all the work that's being done right now by by so many great people, it probably won't really be seen until after we're all gone, you know. And uh, and so a lot of times when when I'm talking, like I'm going to talk to you right now, I'm not just talking to to us and the people in this room right now. I'm, I'm talking to the kids that are not even born yet. Um, you know, I, I I just want to make sure the message is there so they can hear it because you know if you study history. And you listen to some speeches Malcolm X gave in 1965. We know, mm-hmm. or, you know, 61, whatever. You know, we we know that those speeches could have been given right now. They could be given today. Uh, if you right. listen to the Du Bois wrote, you know, so long ago, uh, he he could have wrote that last week. And uh, and so I I encourage black people to, at, at the very least, learn how to separate uh, the substance from the flesh. Uh, learn how to know what real progress actually feels like versus the perception of progress, uh, you know, substance versus symbolism, right? Uh, and because a lot of people have been lying to you. They've been telling you that we've made all this progress. But when you really measure what progress was made, we find that in the last 50 years, uh, educationally, uh, a big chunk of our community has gone backwards. Uh, the only people that didn't go backward were the people who got off the grid and did it their own way and came up with their own secret sauce. Uh, the community at large educationally has gone backward, where you've got massive cities, some of these cities run by black folks, some cities run by polit- politicians that we support, that where, the, where a big chunk of the kids can't even read at grade level. 
if you look at uh, economics, black wealth is, is dropping. I, I, in fact, I think I saw something the other day that said we're the only ethnic group that has less wealth than we had 20 or 30 years ago. It's something I, I got to look right. at the exact stat. Yeah, something like that, right? Uh, when you talk about family structure, I mean, my God, what have they done to our families? And uh, and and so what I really think has to occur and is, is is we we have to make it simple. I believe focusing simply on that word love, love will carry you to a lot of places. Love is, in my view, the most powerful force in the universe. Um, I choose love in response to pretty much anything, hate, whatever. I, I believe love is, is is incredibly strong. Love is a life force that that literally led to our existing on this planet. And uh, and the reason I say start with love is because if you really focus on loving yourself and loving each other and loving your people, then a, a person who is adequately loved, uh, they don't need to go seek validation from anybody else. They don't need to go to their oppressor to say, you know, am, am I worthy, boss? You know, am I good enough, right? Because you love yourself. You know, a person who loves themselves and, and loves people that look like them, uh, you know, they don't need to go and, and leave their community to go find a good place to be. They, they want to be around people that are like themselves, right? A person that loves themselves can make a mistake and not see that mistake as some sort of defining attribute that limits you for the rest of your life. So if I'm a black man who, you know, maybe made a mistake when I was young and maybe I got sent to jail because, you know, because of the laws and bad attorneys or whatever, I'm not going to let that define me in a way that limits all of the, the awesome possibility that God put inside of me. And uh, and so, you know, when people ask me, I get asked all the time, what led to your transformation? How did you become whatever people think that I feel that I am right now? I, I don't I don't know exactly what what I am, but 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 I know when I became that thing and it really started with love. It started with me saying, I love Boyce. I, I like who he is. I just, there's nothing wrong with this guy. You know, uh, he, and he's screwed up in certain ways. He makes mistakes. Sometimes he says stuff in the wrong way. But I love I love every part of that, right? And uh, and and that love, what that does is that gives you courage. You can walk into situations and 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 you can try things and do it wrong, and you can you know make a mistake and embarrass yourself, but you keep on going. You know, I think that self hate though does the exact opposite. It makes you give up. It makes you afraid. It makes you uh, want to run away from each other, uh, and, and then you run away from yourself and. And it limits your possibilities and all these other things. So I really think that the word love, uh, which actually connects very deeply to what Dr. Frazier always talked about in terms of relationships, uh, I think that word love is a good place to start, uh, you know, because, you know, the, the most important relationship or one of the most important relationships you have, in my view, is the relationship with yourself. And then that translates into the relationships you have with each other. And, and as I'm sure Dr. Frazier will explain, and I'll stop talking about that, I say this, is, is that um, if black people simply start working extra hard on having the best relationships we possibly can with other black people, we will win, you know, because healthy relationships, that breeds, that breeds marriage, healthy marriages, that breeds friendships, that breeds economic relationships, that breeds mm-hmm. um, education. I mean, you know, Dr. Frazier and I are, are great friends because Dr. Frazier is just a damn good guy. And, and every time I talk to him, um, I know this guy loves me. I love him back, you know, and, 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 it, and it creates um, that reciprocity where I'll, you know, he said he'll go, to, he'll go to war with me. I'll go to war with him. 
And so find those people in your life that understand what love looks like and they lead with love and, and respect and all these other good things, and those are people that you can build with, right? And, and, that's, and that's important to understand that this power game that we're playing, this economic game that we're playing, all these games that we're trying to play right now uh, with, with other communities, the white community, the Asian community, the Jewish community, et cetera, these are all team sports. These are team sports. And, uh, and, and the challenge that we have to overcome is that uh, during slavery, we, we were really forced and trained to not operate as a team because they knew that, that, that that's very dangerous, right? So, so we have a lot of people that are playing as individuals in a team sport. And, uh, and I, I can tell you, I, you could be the best basketball player on the planet, but you can't win an NBA title by yourself. You know, you can't win a Super Bowl with one really good quarterback. <laughs> you need an entire team. So who's your team? And in order to maintain that team, you must be able to relate to one another. And I think love, uh, you know, love for your mission, love for yourself, love for each other, that's a good place to start. Valerie, you should hit the applause button for that. I don't know if you have an applause okay, button. Okay, <laughs> I would. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Here we go. Here we awesome. go. The other thing I really love about Dr. Watkins, and I met him many, many years ago when he was at Syracuse, and I was speaking at Syracuse. He is a doer. He is not just an armchair philosopher. He is incredible, an incredible, uh, and can and, and and can riff on almost anything and and I I watch him a lot and I love and I and once I, the problem I have with watching doc, uh, Dr. Watkins um is I can't stop watching him I mean I said I'm going to watch him this program today for about a half hour and I end up watching him for an hour and a half that's how compelling he is but but he backs all of that up with things that in fact he He's doing. He's doing it. He's not just saying it. Right? Mama taught me many years ago, what you do speak so loudly, I can't hear what you say. He's doing it. This, in, this entrepreneurial institute is bringing his, his audience into the crypto space. I mean, he's just on top of it, doing it and providing instruments, vessels, and tools which is what we need. There are 46 million black people in America, and we all need help. He helps to provide the tools. And that's just so powerful. And that's the key. Yeah. That's Thank the key. You so much. Um, real, quick, real quick, I don't mean to interrupt. Uh, we do, Joshua Brown is in the building. I wanted to give you a chance, um, if you could, say a lot in a little bit of time. Um, let's show some love to your event, and uh, you can also promote next um, next year's event, because I know that I've already uh, received invitations and, and so many things regarding um, next year. So if you could do that real quick, Dr. Boyce, and then I'm going to uh, give you guys a chance to love on Judge, introduce him as opposed to me. Um, yeah, so, so let's do that. Let's do that now, please. Yeah, the All Black National Convention is a family reunion of people in our community who uh, lead with love and want to connect 
with those who choose to operate on a higher vibrational frequency. Um, we don't just get together uh, and have an amazing number of feel-good moments. We also get together uh, to uh, to engage in, in what we call the Black Core of Three. The Black Core of Three is that we believe black people should educate our own children, create our own jobs, and support our own businesses. And so at the convention, there's a lot of commerce happening. There are lots of experts speaking. Um, it's better than any university you'll ever attend. And uh, and it's something that uh, that we know. If you ask anybody who's ever been, they'll they'll tell you very good things about the convention. So, if people would like to learn more about next year, we're, we're, we've narrowed it down to three cities. It'll be either Detroit, uh, Dallas, or Charlotte. And, uh, and and Dr. Fraser is on the line, so he should know that I'm going to call and ask him for his mm-hmm. advice on how to do the convention the right way. And I also will say I will give complete credit to. Uh, the great convention called FraserNet that Dr. Fraser has every year. That, uh, and I'll just publicly state this: that I I will always support and be a participant in FraserNet because uh, without people like him, there are no people like me, and I will never ever forget that. So, uh, if people want to learn more, the URL is allblacknationalconvention.com. That's allblacknationalconvention.com. Can I say a little bit, Valerie? Thank you. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, the Power Networking Conference will be in Dallas, not Dallas, I'm sorry, duh, Houston, Texas, next year, August the 3rd through the 6th. This will be our 21st annual Power Networking Conference. It will be the first one live in three years. The last two have to be virtual. It was off the chain, but because of covid we could not do it live, but we'll be back live next year. So it's a place where you make new friends. You'll get new feelings, I promise you. You're going to leave your fears. You're going to leave your frustrations. You're going to leave your old, worn-out past behind. We have 50-plus speakers spread out over four days. Dr. Boyce Watkins is a headliner for next year. Um, it is a place where you can make yourself a masterpiece. We focus only on three subjects, business, money, and wellness, psychological wellness, and our physical wellness, because they are deeply connected. We are deeply wounded people. We are out of our natural minds, not all of us just too many of us. Those who are not out of their natural minds go to Dr. Watkins' conference and they come to our conference. There'll be over 2,000 people in attendance. And again, you'll make new connections and you'll find new business resources. I don't know if I'm allowed to make a special offer. Is is that okay? I don't make a special offer anybody that decides to come right now because you know the earlier the better we're still 10 months away and an adult registration for our conference is $1,500 and we urge you to bring a young person 17 to 25 we should not be meeting without our young people sitting at the feet of masters like Dr. Boyce Watkins and a student Registration is $800. That's $2,300 for one adult and one student. I'm going to reduce that to $599, 17 
can't get that on our website, PowerNetworkingConference.com, PowerNetworkingConference.com. You have to you have to email me. Only I can give you that offer. You have to email me at gfraser at frasernet.com. Say I'm in, in the subject line, in the body of the email, put your full name and your cell number, your full name and your cell number. I will personally call you, and we will handle our business over the phone by credit card. That's my offer. I'm going to call that special Judge Brown offer and Voice Watkins offer. I'm on, doctors. Right. right. Are you on? Thank you. Wait, Judge, you ruined it. My my two items. My two items. So that's the offer. Everybody knows me. I'm on here every week. I don't need any introduction on the show. Oh, but I wanted to see. I wanted them to bring you on. This is a, oh, my God. Oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. And I wanted. Don't put them on a hot seat. You know, I'll just stand on I understand they would give me a good introduction, I hope. But I have a question for both of you good doctors. It comes to me from the mid-60s when I had some unfortunate experiences that centered around uh, this matter. The pro- I, Everything you say, both of you, uh, I'm very commendable, and I endorse it. I would just offer this. The process of leadership implementation is often a very difficult one. Sometimes it's unpleasant. Sometimes it even gets violent. The motives of those who seek or would impose leadership are not always wholesome ones. And these observations also apply to those who would give voice to ideological considerations. What are the dangers that people ought to be aware and cognizant of? What cautions must be taken? What palliatives? I say that because earlier in the week, I had the unpleasant experience of not dealing with learned, wise, intelligent, and experienced men who've actually done something with their time here. I've dealt with some people who can only be characterized charitably as trying to run a hustle. Back in the 60s, we called it either pimping the revolution or pimping the movement. And we have too many of those. They spread dysfunction. They spread ignorance. They're not learned. They try to down those who are educated and learned because... They wouldn't qualify if you talked about an education and wisdom and discernment. They have an offering of flatter slash voodoo to give to the people. And that's not healthy for the people. So it's a thing to have to deal with that. Uh, How can you have a debate with someone who is so uneducated so unwise and so foolish that they are, they are effectively worried about when the turtle that the rest of the world is riding on the back of is going to get to the end of the flat earth and fall off the edge when the waters cascade down. So it's kind of bad, and they get money from it. 
And sooner or later, we're going to have to start dealing with the fact that a lot of people that would start saying skin is automatic kin are going to turn out to be snitches, informants, agents, agents provocateur, officers of some alphabet federal agency that would find that anything that rocks the boat is a matter to be, uh, is something to be oppressed and is against the American interest. We're going to have to start dealing with those things because Mm -hmm. I can see them developing. Any Mm -hmm. thoughts? Uh, One of the the things I love about Judge Brown is his questions. If you listen to his question, always embedded in Judge Brown's question are the answers to his question. He does it in such an eloquent way. Um. But, but, but I, I, I think Judge Brown gave everybody listening the clues to righteous and good and productive and effective leadership. And, and, and Judge Brown, you're a thousand percent right. Why are we not where we are supposed to be? It's leadership. Leadership. If the fish stinks. Look to the head. It's leadership. So let me define, from my perspective, leadership. I think to be a leader is to be awake and alert and to be dissatisfied at all times. Yes, we have come a long way, but we have much further to go. Therefore, I am not happy, but I am motivated by a positive anger directed towards positive change leadership is influence who are we influencing we're influencing our children because if our children cannot see the future they will not pay the price everything we do dr boy said this early everything we do we do for our children just as everything our parents did they did for us these are characteristics of great leaders leadership is action not some appointed position. No one has to appoint you to do right by your family. No one has to appoint you to do right by your community. These are clues that we look for in great leaders. And also great leaders understand that everything begins with words. Words are the most powerful tools on earth, and they have power. Everything begins with words. This is biblical. Dr. Frazier didn't make this up. First, there was the word, and it is through these words. This is what I love so much about both of you, Judge Brown and Dr. Watkins. Through the words, you raise consciousness. You make people aware of certain things that bring them, in a sense, to an aha. And out of that aha, that raised consciousness, some 
something sticks in their craw and they get energized and they get excited. They get passion and passionate. And it is through this passion that they take action. And it is through action we get change. That's the system that a good leader understands. Change is a system. Words, one. Consciousness, two. Passion, exciting people about the idea, the aha. Three, action and change. You don't just generally take action from just words. You pick something out of those words that turns you on, that floats your boat. But ultimately, you get passionate about it. You take action, and you make change. Leaders are patient, and leaders are servants. And these are the qualities I think we have to look for in good leaders and future leaders and teach them to comport themselves in that manner. A good, and I, and I quit with this, a good leader inspires people to have confidence in the leader, but a great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. That is what good leaders do. Outstanding leaders go out of their way to boost the self-esteem of their people, and if people believe in themselves, it's amazing what they can accomplish. That's what a good leader does. Those okay, Dr. Fraser, that is important. But sometimes in the process of assessing this, we have to realize or keep in mind that there's something that needs to be done about those who produce particular leadership aspirations would destroy or impede us as a people. In other words, we have to be aware of the cultish Jim Jones type who would feed us uh, Kool-Aid to drink, the wrong kind of food. And they inspire some people, particularly the weak-minded, to feel better about mm-hmm. themselves, but they create all, sort of, all sorts of falsehoods and mythology that in the long and short term are very detrimental to the people because essentially – they inspire the people to just endure and do nothing rather than inspiring them to do something about their condition and circumstances. That's right. That's right. That's right, Judge. I, yeah, I, I went on a little rant about Dr. Watkins, and I said, well, the core reason I love him is that not only is he, is he a leader and a, an armchair philosopher, more important, is that he's doing. You can see it's tangible. He's producing tools, providing information, giving direction and coaching and mentoring to the masses that follow him. He's doing. Those are the kinds of leaders I follow. People who, in a sense, lead like I lead. Now, okay, but Doc, I'm maybe, not talking about yeah. you. We get you yeah. are an appropriate leader. You're a wise man and you dispense wisdom. 
what I'm talking about is what is our proper response to those we can tell are not doing the right thing by the people, by what they're trying to implement and the positions they're trying to install themselves in. How do we react to them? I'm not talking you must about expose them. conscientious you leadership. Must have the- I'm talking about where some scoundrels are trying to impose themselves on the black consciousness. You must expose them. You must have the courage to call them out. You do. (laughs) Dr. Watson. I do. Yes. Yes. But some people need to hear that because it's one thing if one person that's accounted to be wise, you get a big but put in there. You sound okay, but why are you downing such and such? Well, young man, a young lady... I've seen this over the last 55, 56 years, and it's poisonous. It leads us nowhere. Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. it hurts us. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you mm-hmm. know that I saw it? Well, how can you tell? Because I recognize it. That's mm-hmm. like to walk out into a forest, and the person who knows how to read signs can tell you how many deer, what kind, and when they walk through here, and where the mm-hmm. rest of them are, and how long it's been. And you won't see anything but dirt and foliage. You see, you have to be experienced and you have to learn these things. The other point I get is when somebody like the three of us tells certain types about something, they want to see references and citations. And sometimes it's like, look, the guy that's talking to you is the reference. He saw it. He witnessed it. He experienced mm-hmm. it. He went through walk the talk. He walked the walk, heard the talk, and did the deeds. Right. You ought to listen to him. He is right. a source. No, I want to hear what. No, there's no reference. I was debating with some people who wanted to deny the existence of, well, not debating. It was sort of just harassment. But the other side was saying no slave trade and slave ships are a lie. (laughs) You know, as a matter of fact, the black black man from Africa to the Americas. So that is just so really ranked out when it comes to being foolish. It's like, do you ever hear a science? That's just the white man's lie. Science. Right. Okay. How right. about truth has no truth, but uh, truth has no face, but truth itself. And you want to deny mathematics, geometry, trigonometry, calculus, the things that enable the cell phone that you're spreading your version of foolishness on? Mm-hmm. That's the white man trying to use the black man. Okay, fine, mm-hmm. but it, you're saying it doesn't work? It's all a lie. Well, how does your cell phone work? Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, well, you know, the other point well, is, is they discourage black folk from doing the research, reading the hard copy stuff, and just simply listening to nonsense palliatives on YouTube that are supposed to make them feel good. Hmm. I, 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 don't, I agree with what you're saying. Um, you know, b- bad leadership has been uh, a, a toxin that we've dealt with for a very long time, and 
and it's especially uh, damaging for our community because we are targeted uh, by this bad leadership. Uh, it's, it's very much, it fits into, uh, I remember, uh, Judge, you, when you had spoken about uh, propaganda and the art of propaganda and how it's used so regularly. It's being used right now. Uh, we see it all over the place. And uh, and and I, I the way I've kind of processed this is I definitely think when you talk about, quote, unquote, black leadership, I notice that black leadership tends to appear in a form that's different from leadership in almost any other community. Um, obviously, for example, we, we, we can't point to anybody that it represents white leadership, except maybe Joe Biden or someone like that. But there really isn't a white leader sort of leading white people to the promised land. Uh, there, you know, if you're a Republican, maybe you listen to certain people. If you're a Democrat, you listen to somebody else. If you're independent, well, it goes across the board. Uh, in the Jewish community, when I think about Jewish leadership, I think about institutional leadership, uh, you know, and, and they do a very good job of representing Jewish interests, interests even, even when everybody's uh, unhappy with what they're doing, they still uh, teach us that, that very basic lesson that, that power, power is, 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 is its own truth to some extent. Uh, you, know, it's, it's a, you know, the person that has the biggest gun gets to decide how history is going to be written and all these other things, right? So uh, I would say a couple of things that we've done that I think are somewhat effective to deal with some of these agent provocateurs that you're talking about, I see them, you know, and I see people that come in and it seems that they're, goal is they're like the joker in batman you know the joker it wasn't really trying to accomplish anything the joker just wanted to watch the world burn he just wanted to destroy everything and that's what happens when people throw bombs of uncertainty doubt etc into the mix and the way i've countered that is uh is 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 basically understanding that it's uh sometimes it's a matter of how strong the message resonates i'm, I'm a big believer in one, uh, black people must make it a priority to control as much media as we possibly can. Uh, those, those who care about the community, we, we have to own media. We have to control that. We were always very strategic in, make, in, 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 in making sure that we had as much media as possible and that it was independent of any of these outside influences. Uh, number two, I believe black people should take control of the education of our children. A lot of the propaganda and misguided, a lot of the misguided Negroes we have in the community are are some of the are the ones who have the most credentials sometimes. You know, uh you know, the only thing worse than being uneducated is to be severely miseducated. And I know a lot of folks with MDs and PhDs and JDs and BAs and BSs who are literally using all that intellectual power to do things that are incredibly harmful and backward to black people. One simple example would be um when you talk about uh this whole thing that where we were taught that if we go to a white man's university and go a hundred thousand dollars in debt, we were gonna improve our community. Well, really, all that happens is that you die in debt. Uh, half of all black college graduates can't even repay their student loans. And then also most of them leave the community anyway and become part of a brain drain because they end up working for white folks, right? So so really, uh, I think we must control as much media as possible. We must control as much of the educational process as possible. And also, we have to understand that the more effective we are, and I think, I think you all understand, you, you're both great men, and I, I defer to you on every level, uh, that when you go to go to battle and you pull out your gun, uh, somebody's going to pull out their gun and they're going to aim it right back at you, right? We know how that that's how the world works. And so, uh, so one of the other things that we have done uh, in terms of the, dealing with some of the silliness out here is, I believe deeply in decentralized black leadership. Uh, I believe black leadership needs to be uh, family by family, where you empower 
uh, as many uh, thousands of people, millions of people, uh, to lead themselves and uh, lead their own household. And so uh, I, I, I would never let anybody just call me any kind of a black leader. I say, look, I'm an advisor. You're the leader. You're leading your household. You're leading your children. And, and I think that that's some sort of decentralization, also institutional leadership where we rebuild our institutions, leadership by committee where we have experts that provide facts and information from all walks of life, uh, that is, as opposed to everybody just listening to whatever Al Sharpton has to say. No disrespect to Al Sharpton, but, uh, but, but some, some have questioned and challenged his leadership. So, so at the end of the day, I'll summarize it by saying it's, like, it, it, it's a little bit like this. Let's say that you sell, you work for Coca-Cola, and your goal is to get the whole world to drink Coke because you feel like it's the best drink in the world. But there are some people out here that want to drink Pepsi. And Pepsi is going to, when you run ad campaigns for Coke, they're going to run ad campaigns for Pepsi. And, and who wins? Well, Coca-Cola will, will never uh, eliminate Pepsi. Pepsi's always going to go out and claim its market share. But at the end of the day, the, the team that wins is the one who is um, the most effective with their messaging, uh, who has the most uh, economic muscle behind their marketing. Uh, it, it, it pushes their idea the best, right? So, so our goal every day is to say, you know what, I know we got the – terrible people out here. We got the provocateurs out here. We got the misinformation experts out here. And some of y'all are going to be swept up by that. But guess what? At the same time, I'm going to be right here in your face every day answering every question and supporting you in every way that I possibly can uh, because I know that we're going to be a force as well. And and, and so it doesn't solve the whole problem. And uh, and you're right. I think people need to be called out, uh, and and, and we can't be afraid to do that. But I think also at the same time, uh, we know that there are always going to be enemies to uh, to black progress that that's just you know going to occur and uh, and we can only learn from the past in, in terms of how to how to deal with that in the most effective way. I, I'm done by the Let way. Let me say something. <laughs> I agree with. You. Let me say something. Let me say something very briefly here. Everybody that has a voice ought to take every opportunity to badmouth being ignorant being overly emotional, <laughs> being irrational and illogical. It needs to be branded as uncool and lame. Right. Another thing on the political field, we always, no matter what, vote for a certain party. We always, no matter what, vote against another party. And as a consequence, there is no incentive possessed by either party to bargain with us for benefits, tangible benefits, in return for our votes. In other words, if you'll always get the person's vote, irrespective of whether you do anything for them, you've no incentive to do anything for them. And if no matter what you do try to do for them, you always get voted against no matter what, then you have no incentive to continue or to ramp up what you do for them. So we get nowhere. We get owned. We want to be part of something because there is this thing that is acknowledged. You hear about it in the media and in the papers all the time. One of the other political parties, most prominently the Democratic Party. So I guess a lot of black folk with a need to feel like they belong want to go that way even if they get absolutely nothing out of it. And even if you elect people who look like you instead of being your leadership, 
they're surrogates for somebody else, and your interests come in way behind everybody else's. So we need to start pushing being rational, logical, reasonable, and analytical. We've been through a 55-year-long program of negative pop propaganda that's created a negative dialectical spiral that leaves mm-hmm. ever doubt. Mm-hmm. We don't have what we used to have. If you looked at a movie, a few movies, they had black folk in back in the 50s and 60s. Generally, the black people, if they weren't conforming to a negative stereotype, were about the business of working, going to college. 55 years ago, doctor, you know, you had to be in college if you didn't want a nice year-long paid sabbatical in hot Vietnam or someplace. Now you found that you find that after 50 years of certain types taking the top positions in Hollywood, they found they can make a lot of money on appealing to the lowest black denominator. Uh, pimps, holes, burglars, drug dealers, murderers, thieves, gangsters, and everybody else that should be suppressed or uh, is not good for the public peace, dignity, and order where most black people live. But you see, that's still false. Even rap music has stagnated for 40 years. There's been no new music in the black community. Uh, we used to have a complete paradigm shift every five to ten years. In other words, there's no way your parents are going to dance to rhythm, same sampling. This has gotten dirtier and more dysfunctional, but it's the same. So we have stagnated. We haven't even invented any new music genres for 40 years. So what do we do? Where are we going? How do we get to people? And, yes, you have some solutions. I have some. Both of you doctors do. But we need to get it out there and present it more forcefully and be intolerant of ignorance, stupidity, narrow-mindedness, superstition, and those who are hustling for personal gain, whether they're just the voice or whether they're actually trying to function as leadership. And frankly, I'm not a fan of the Reverend Al Sharpton. I'll ask, does he have a church, a congregation? And why is he pandering to that thing where the Negroes always get out and bug dance to music and he's lost a lot of weight and he's trying to do his... uh, boyfriend James Brown's dance up behind the pulpit most recently. You know, what is this? Why is it that when we have so many young black girls who are getting pregnant out of wedlock, we've got a media that is glorifying a street-walking slut, Cardi B, who brags about being a prostitute and how she drugged her trick so she could rob them. And we've got somebody that is a fat harlot that cries about being fat shamed and she wants to do filthy body movements, grease down, oil down, or wet down with champagne naked in public. 
for goodness sakes, act like you've got some class and maybe you won't get talked about. I mean, why are we angling and not speaking out against these things and negating shame and embarrassment, which have always been mechanisms that have caused humans to behave appropriately and acceptably? What is with us? When are we going We're to out of our natural mind? Our children need education, not being converted by pedophiles into sexual bait at eight, seven, nine years old. What is this? <laughs> uh, I, I, I'll just say that um, I don't know exactly what it is. You know, I I, um, I can tell you this though. Uh, what I found this past week was that uh, there's millions of people who understand exactly where you're coming from, and that's enough to build your army. You know, uh, and the thing is, what I have found is that, you know, my army ain't everybody's army, you know, but my army is still my army, you know. And uh, and so um, while I can't – I don't necessarily know how to I, – I, there's some places and some people I, I can't build a bridge to some of those people, you know. Some people, unfortunately, have been so affected by ideas that I don't understand that uh, I don't really know exactly how to persuade or connect with them. And then some people, uh, I yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem condemning you if I feel that what you're doing is harmful uh, to to the people that I represent. But I also find that uh, that that I can also challenge you by simply pro- pro- providing an alternative that. Is uh, that I believe is better than whatever you've been exposed to. You know, like um, I remember uh, what was it uh, uh, when Elijah Muhammad I think said to Malcolm in, in the movie. I don't even know if he really said this, but I like the statement where he said that uh, if, if people are used to drinking dirty water, you don't have to uh, tell them that the water is dirty and tell them why it's unhealthy. You just put a, a glass of clean water right next to it, and uh, and I, I think that's an effective way to kind of say, look. Whatever's out there, if that's working for you, then by all means go for it. But here's here's something else over here, and what I have found. I like uh, that by the way. Oh, you agree? Okay, that's a good thing. Yeah, and and I'll tell you, you know, when when we present people with truth and love, uh, I don't have to talk them into changing their mind because they know they know the pain of of living in a world where you feel like the white man controls your entire destiny. They know what it's like to get up and go to work every day for, for people that hate their guts. They know, you know, what it, they, they know that something's wrong. They just can't quite put their finger on it. And so what I have found is that there are a lot of people where if you just present them with another way of viewing the world, they'll come along. You don't even have to talk to them about it. You don't have to say a word about whatever they were looking at in the first place. A lot of people will end up rejecting it on their own. That's what I have seen. Well, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that works very effectively, Doctor. Doctor Watkins, you are perceptive in that. If some people have converted perspectives into firm beliefs because they don't know any better, they've never had to deal with objectivity and rationality in their lives. And it's all about an emotional up and down, an emotional roller coaster, this way, that way, 
And, you know, it's crazy. And then when they run into somebody that's offering that clean glass of water as contrasted to the dirty water, they try to attack it because it is a contrast that makes the this function that they're pushing quite obvious. So they attack it. Not saying that anytime you're doing something right or meritorious, you're not going to run into some opposition, some adversity, because there are too many people that personally and individually profit off of this function to pass up the opportunity of destroying an alternative to dysfunction because that's how they make what they get. Anyway. I, I think, well, I, I think I, I love the, the, the analogy of dirty water versus clean water. Uh, and maybe I love it because it is so, connected to what I'm, what I'm going to say as simply as humanly possible. And that is Judge, Dr. Watkins, Dr. Fraser, and those of a like mind, keep talking and keep going. You're the clean water. And you'll hold this metaphorical glass of clean water up to anything that is currently being done. And if we keep talking it, and Judge touched on it a bit uh, in his last statement, we have to talk louder, actually. As much as we're doing, we have to do more, actually. And we have to find as many megaphones to as many tributaries and pathways to our people, wherever they gather, because the conditions are the same. I've said this a million times. Uh, I've given over 2,500 speeches. I've been every place that black people have been dispersed, from San Diego to, to Maine, from Seattle to Miami, from Kingston to the capital. Bahia, and the state of our people, just amazing to me, the state of our people, the, certainly the economic state of our people, wherever we go, is exactly the same. So there is a tremendous amount of work to do. It, it's intergenerational work. And you said something right at the beginning, Dr. Watkins, about we are laying uh, foundations and we're having a new conversation, and there are many that are listening. Uh, the, 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 the demand for me to talk is far beyond the time and capacity that I have to fulfill that demand. The same for you, Dr. Watkins, the same for you, Judge Brown. Um, and if we just keep saying what we're saying, uh, for as long as God gives us life, that's our, that's our commitment to our people. That's the clean water. 
Others will see it, compare it to what they currently have, and they will come aboard. That's why we have to understand that this is an intergenerational challenge, that we are not going to get to our promised land, and you said it earlier, Dr. Watkins, certainly we will not get there in our lifetime. But no one will ever be able to say that we were not, we were not in a sense, the Black Paul Revere's we're not on our horses using every, every megaphone, every opportunity to speak our truth. There will be some that will hear it, and they'll come aboard. Many that don't, and they'll do whatever they're going to do. You're, you're not going to fix them. You're not going to fix them. And don't waste your time to try to fix people that when you reach down to lift them up, they got their arms folded. They're not interested. You're wasting your breath. Work on those who are down and their hands are up. And it's easy for you to reach down and to grab those hands and to lift them up. Do your Put your work while you have this time. That's the biggest freaking mistake we make. We think we have time. As, you, as I tell people, do anything but don't waste my time. I will get more money, but I will not get any more time, and I'm not going to allow you to waste it. You will always know how much money you have, but you will never know how much time you have. So every minute is precious because what you're saying, Judge, your your thoughts, you've forgotten more than most know with your experience and your wisdom. And 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 Doctor Watkins the same. You just have to keep talking for as long as you have breath. You're the clean water. I'm the clean water, and there are others. We're not the only ones. And we haven't reached critical mass, but we are making inroads. And in my 76 years, I have seen movement forward, progress, some movement backward, some movement sideways, some movement again forward. And this is, we have to stay focused on what we are talking about because it is what needs to be talked about in this time. I don't know how to get a bigger platform. You know, I'm not that celebrity television guy. Um, I, I just know that I'm effective in the platforms that God gives me. As Judge Brown, you are very effective in this platform that God has given you and Dr. Boyce and social media and the things that you're, you're, you're doing. You're very, very effective. And we must have that. You are a model. We're models, actually. Um, all of our people need help. 
There's 46 million of us in this country and 1.4 billion on the continent. We all need help. And there are not enough voices. But if we keep talking, we keep saying what we're saying, something will happen. Now, I'm also a believer, <laughs> and I have this little saying up on my wall. I'm looking at it right now. I look at it every damn day. And it says, when all is said and done, more will be said than done. And this is true. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I've lived long enough to say that. For me, that's the gospel. I'm just not going to be the one just saying it. I'm going to be the one saying it and then backing it up and doing it. And then we need the hue and cry uh, of, of those who will, will beat our behinds, correct us. And so I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I have a little list. I refer to this list every single day. Building Black Greatness is my little list. And I look at it every day. Talk about money. Get black folks to read and be committed to personal growth and development and intellectual curiosity to lay the foundation for critical thinking. We do not have a critical mass of critical thinkers. Rebuild the black family. Educate and motivate our own children. Teach them their history. They're not going to get it in school. Teach it to them at home. Teach them about business. Forget get a good education and get a good job. Just get a good education and create a job. Create a job for yourself. Create a job for your children. If God gives you the power and the glory, create work and jobs for our people. Create our own jobs and businesses build a capacity to do that that's the only thing we're lacking we're not lacking opportunity we're lacking capacity in the 21st century for us in the business sphere is building capacity support those businesses and then I, ha I wrote this about two years ago the final bullet point on I, I had on here I'm so overjoyed to hear you say it Dr. Watkins, I had leadership, colon, self-leadership, self-leadership. The Dr. Kings, the Malcolms, the Stokelys, the Garveys, that era is gone. And we're now going to have to go inward, and we're going to have to self-lead ourselves and teach our children how to do that. Um, so I'm loving this conversation. It's, it's seldom, uh, on other platforms do we get to articulate. I mean, there's so much like-minded, um, uh, discussion, thinking, um, this is a powerhouse discussion in into itself. I, I hope it gets out. <laughs> to every black person on social media and, and that listens to any kind of radio. This is what they need to hear. We just have to keep saying it until we're gone. Yeah. Don't be discouraged and don't get tired. 
I'm, I'm going. I'm closer to 77 than I am to 76, and this is the best work that I've ever done in my 77 years of life. And you know, I think I told you the story. And I'm finished with this. The New England Journal of Medicine's 2018 study on the three most productive periods of your life is amazing. The third most productive period of your life, brothers and sisters, is between 50 and 60. The second most productive period of your life is between 70 and 80. And the number one most productive period of your life is between 60 and 70. The average age of a Nobel Prize winner is 62. The average age of a CEO of a Fortune 500 company is 63. The average age of the pastors of the 100 biggest mega churches in America is 71. Moses got his assignment at 80. The average age of a pope is 76. Mandela became president of South Africa at 76. Gandhi secured India. India's independence at 61. Ray Kroc founded McDonald's at nearly 60. Toni Morrison won her Pulitzer for Beloved at 57. Then her Nobel at 62. Frank Lloyd Wright, the great iconic architect, finished his magnum opus, the Guggenheim Museum on 54th Street and 7th Avenue at 91. So this tells us somehow God has designed that the best years of our life is between 60 and 80. This is when we do our best work. So if you're 0 to 59, 49 listening to this, you ain't done nothing yet as compared to what you are capable and will ultimately do if you chart a good and righteous course and stay that course until God takes your breath away. And so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Wow. Thank you so much for that. I want to do a time check, Dr. B, how much time you got with us, and then I have a question for the three of you. Well, uh, I've got Dr. Just a, Fraser, a let me interject something. I'm not as good as I used to be, but most of the time I'm better than I ever was. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, 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 let me say this, uh, Valerie. I, I, I've got to actually go with the hour. Um, but, um, you know, I'll say to add to uh, the great points that, that were made earlier about what it takes to uh, shift the culture. Uh, one thing I, 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 I study a lot, I study war uh, quite a bit, um, and I don't know why. I don't know why I'm interested in war, but it, but it, but it teaches me a lot about um, about life. You know, it, it teaches me about the white man. It teaches me about how treacherous people can be if you are incapable of defending yourself. Uh, it reminds me of the importance and necessity of masculine leadership, uh, which these two gentlemen represent, which is one of the reasons I respect them so much. Uh, not that the women don't have an important, a very important role. We know this, but uh, you got to have some men in there, too. you got to have your masculinity. Uh, also, war teaches me about the importance of um, – uh, of, I think about how how close you know how close it was for for the, the Americans and the British. Um, I noticed that information was extremely important. That if you could not get the information you needed to decipher codes and figure out the positions of the enemy planes and things like that, you were going to die. Um, I, you know, talking about the importance of innovation. Uh, if you could not, if the British could not develop radar systems to detect German planes, 
uh, they were going to die. Uh, if we couldn't invent the, the nuclear bomb before somebody else did, we were going to die. Mm-hmm. They got it mm-hmm. first. They were going to use it on us, right? Uh, and also the, the last piece I'll throw in here that I think is going to help black people win this war, whatever this war is for you, because uh, I do believe that we, because we are the original man, original woman, I do believe there's something special in our DNA uh, that makes us extraordinary. The only people that can take out black people are, are black people ourselves. We've just been taught to turn the gun on ourselves, but there's never been um, any human being in the history of this planet built with the same DNA as the Africans in America. Black people in this country were the only ones who could say that our ancestors survived the slave dungeons. We're the only ones who could say our ancestors survived the Middle Passage. We can, we're the only ones who could say our ancestors survived 250 years of the most brutal slavery in the history of mankind. We survived the crack era. We survived mass incarceration. And we're also surviving whatever they're doing to us right now. And so with that said, uh, the, the last component I would say that I think uh, could be incredibly instrumental and very effective in us shifting the culture and elevating our community en masse is uh, the last component. The last thing I learned from watching war was I remember noticing how the Germans were really intelligent. You know, they, they invented the best uh, rocket ships. They had the, the best submarines. They had the best tanks. But where the Americans won is that Americans had a massive amount of industrial capacity. Uh, they had amazing systems where they could, for every one plane the Germans made, they could make 10 or 20. For every uh, every ship they made, we'd make, you know, make 30 or 40, you know. And, uh, and this massive industrial capacity, the ability to find a model that works, and replicate that model made the difference, you know, in this war. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think about winning war, if you talk about fighting a system of white supremacy, white supremacy is a system. And up until this point, most of our black leadership comes in the form of maybe one, one really intelligent super Negro who sits in front of everybody and says, you know, everybody follow me, everybody listen to me. I don't believe you can fight a system with – one-offs with one, you know, one great man or one great woman or a couple of great people. I, I believe you fight a system with a system. And my argument is for for black people to really rise and elevate, we are going to have to we're going to have to systematically mass produce young people who have the ideology that uh, puts blackness at the top of the priority list, uh, and they have to mass produce young people that have uh, black excellence just as a, a as a standard rite of passage. Uh, we must mass produce young people who uh, believe deeply in the value of business ownership, investing in, in themselves, investing in their community, uh, mass produce black people who care about things like family and the things that matter for us. And I believe that it's that army that we build that will allow us to win the war. Uh, and, and that's something where, um, and if you think about it, if you want to see examples of already true, look around at, uh, you know, look, look at the way the NBA and the NFL, how do they get the best athletes in the world? Well, they have training camps in every city where when your child is seven years old, if he's big for his age, some coach comes up and says to the child's mother, uh, you know, when are you going to bring your son out for basketball? When are you going to bring him out for football? So because of these thousands and thousands of training camps around the country that are indoctrinating little black boys into basketball, football, hip-hop, whatever, we have millions of black people that are all part of that culture, Right. So uh, I would say the same thing must be true when it comes to black excellence, when it comes to education, when it comes to Mm -hmm. our economic beliefs and ideologies. We must literally reclaim that educational process and systematize it so that we can mass produce so many black people that that are on the same page uh, economically and ideologically that even if they go out here and they they, they kill 
uh, Judge Joe Brown or, or kill Boyce Watkins or kill uh, Dr. Joyce C. Frazier, uh, it won't matter because there will be millions of people out there who will carry the ideas on. The ideas right. will always live longer than the man, but the ideas must be – we must have intentionality in ensuring that our young people are carrying that vision with them so that they, they can't kill a movement that strong. That, that's just my two cents. I think that that industrialization yeah. of what we believe is one of the keys to our power. And, we again, we will win this war because we, we can't lose. Let me put an exclamation mark on that point. That's a, that's a fabulous point, Dr. Watkins. God has unusual ways of bringing us into war. When we are in war, we create. We create when we are in war. We survive when we are in war, which takes creative skills. So that is important. That sort of state of war mindset. You've got to manage it so it doesn't stress you out. But that's when we man up and woman up. And that's when we, we, we are at our creative best. And you articulate what we have already survived. <laughs> you know, human wars, the Middle Passage, 250 years of the most egregious slavery system invented by humankind, etc., etc., etc. We were at war. We survived. And we're at war now. And we will survive it, and we will do exactly what you're hoping that we will do, and that we will teach millions of other young people the way. We just have to keep saying it. The key to learning is simplicity and repetition. You've got to say it 50 different way, ways on 50 different days. You just keep saying what you're saying. Drudge keeps saying what you're saying. And it will change. We're fighting a war. We're in a war. And we're very creative. And I'm hopeful. That's why I keep saying I'm hopeful. There is a cloud. There's no question about that. And sometimes there's thunders coming out of that cloud. We read about this stuff every day. And sometimes it's rain. And sometimes the clouds part and there's sunshine. As long as the clouds on occasion part and there's sunshine, I'm just fine. Right? I suck in that sunshine and it and it and it energizes me. And I go back to work. I've been doing that for forty years. Uh that's seventy seven. I'm at the end of the most productive per- period and that's between seventy and eighty, the second most productive period. But I don't feel like that. I feel like I can go <laughs> another decade because uh, I am a soldier in this war. Maybe I've even risen to lieutenant, but I'm in a war, and I'm 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 energized by that. I'm creating. I'm thinking. Never, I, you know, I, I I dream about this. So I just want to say that as a word of encouragement. I think at times war, a war mentality is a good thing if 
you internalize it properly and act in meaningful and productive ways. You're you're going to win whatever war that you, you see this as. We're going to win this war. And it's not so much, it's not like, it's not as basic as a war against the white man and nothing like that. I don't think you have, I think you can win this war truly with love. Uh, I don't think you have to win it with hate. I don't think you have to be mad at anybody. Um, I don't think you have to be rude toward other people. Uh, I think that you simply have to embrace this idea that it's okay for you to love the hell out of yourself and not apologize for it. Uh, also, it's going to take uh, some practicality. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, uh, I, I, I don't say this much in public, but the reality, because people are very sensitive about it, but the reality is that this pandemic might be the best thing to ever happen to black people. It really might be because for many years we've we've basically said the same message for ten twelve years that, that, that exactly. Dr. Fraser is uh, you know mm-hmm. mentioned earlier about repetition. We've always said black exactly. people need to educate our own children, create our own, our own jobs, and support black owned business. This came from research in terms of figuring out right. you know, what are the things that are holding our people back, and so ultimately this pandemic has has pushed us to do exactly that. We're homeschooling our kids. Uh, uh, the, you, we're in the middle of the great resignation. Black people were the first ones to start the great resignation. We, we start all the trends, I, you know, and, uh, and we, we were part of the great resignation before the great resignation even started because everybody was trying to get off the corporate plantation. And so, uh, this is a renaissance that you're witnessing now. Now, what has to occur is, uh, we must make sure that we accompany this opportunity and this transformation with enough vision to implement systematic uh, and, 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 and mass-produced uh, outcomes that will sustain for the next generation. Let me give you a quick example. Uh, you got a lot of millionaire, billionaire black folks in, in sports and entertainment and everything else, and, and a lot of the rappers are even rapping about wealth and things like that. You know, this is kind of a new thing lately. Well, uh, you know, I will tell you what, I, I, I still don't understand why with all these millionaire athletes that brag about how much money they have, why don't you have your own professional sports league yet? You know, why is Kyrie Irving sitting on the sidelines now uh, when you got all these millionaire, billionaire black athletes bragging about how much money they have? Um, you know, it, to me, here's the deal. Here, here's the simple rule. If you are a successful black person who brags to other black people about how much money and power you have, I, my question to you will be very basic. How many jobs have you created for other black people? You know, if mm-hmm. you are a Jay-Z and you are a billionaire and everybody gives you credit for that, can I go back to the Marcy Project where you were born and find five to 10,000 people who can say, I have a job because of Jay-Z? Because, look, you know, Jeff Bezos probably employs, over, he employs, what, about 1.2 million people. Elon Musk employs hundreds of thousands, if not a million people, between Tesla and SpaceX. Who are the black industrialists who are creating thousands and thousands of jobs that are going to lift our people out of, of, of whatever we feel like we're in right now? Uh, I don't see a lot of those people out there. And, and if they do exist and we are not acknowledging them, those need to be our superheroes. Uh, stop celebrating individual success. Let's start focusing on community success. And that is a blueprint, I believe, that will elevate our people um, into the next century and beyond. Amen. Thank you all very much for having me. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity. And, give us, and join thank you. And I've got to, and, and, and give us Valerie, your, I've got to run as well. Hold on. Yes, go ahead. 
Okay, so I want to get um, your your social media, um, Dr. Frejo. Plus, if you get your social media, any promotions, um, that's it. Okay, well, people can follow me at voicewalkins.com. That's voicewalkins.com. Uh, also, if you'd like to get started on your economic journey, uh, we'd love to help you at the T-H-E, theblackbusinessschool.com. That's theblackbusinessschool.com. So uh, God bless everybody. And uh, it's good talking to you, uh, Judge Brown and uh, Dr. Frazier and Valerie. Uh, it's mm-hmm. always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Dr. Thank you. We love you. Have a great rest thank of the day. Thank you. Tell Karen we said hi. Don't be a stranger. Sure will. Don't be a stranger. Follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I post every single day something inspirational, something quick, and something simple. And uh, I believe the simpler you can say it, the more it hooks into people's brains, uh, and they can repeat it. And the, the greatest joy, one of the greatest joys I get is when people come up to me and they say to me, Dr. Fraser, uh, I heard you speak about 20 years ago. And I'll never forget something that you said. And then they will repeat it. And they heard it 20 years ago. And I just do a little fist pump, and it, 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 I'm just overjoyed by that. So if you follow me on social media, you will see the things that I post every single day. I'm posting something every day, 365 days a year. I have over... Uh, 11,000 posts on Facebook. And uh, so if you want a little bit of inspiration, if you want a little bit of inspiration every single day, then follow me. Today's post simply said the goal is to win, to look like you're winning. So... So you get stuff like that. You something you can read in less than two seconds. A little bit of inspiration. So that's my story. Again, I'm sticking to it. And I really enjoyed Thank this. I always it. enjoyed being with Judge Brown and, <laughs> and with uh, a cherry on top with uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins. And, mm-hmm. uh, made made my week. Thank you, Judge. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Give us Dr. a shout-out on your social media. Always, always. I like a man of wisdom, discernment education and experience in life and as you said earlier about what the phases are of a man's life i wholeheartedly agree agree that period between 50 and 60 is when it all happens hello (laughs) that's right there you go and when you get to 70 it ain't all that bad either assuming you got good health that's right that's right (laughs) Love you all, and all thank right, you all, all, those, you, all of those of you tuned in. You spent a really good two hours. And, um, <laughs> we'll do this again. Yeah. A lot to talk. Oh, Let's do well, it. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Don't be a strength. All right. Appreciate you. All right. Appreciate you. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you. Have a thank good you, one. Sir. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you. Thank you. Josh. You're welcome. All right. I hope you're enjoying this big exclusive via the Judge Joe Brown Show. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Now, back to.
to the show. This show is sponsored by the Hurricane Reports, Merchandise, and more.